you enjoyed playing board games when you were a kid? I know I did with my brother and my sister and my family. I loved playing board games. Now, I gotta be honest. When I started falling behind, when things weren't going the way that I thought, I tell you what I would do. I would just say, hey, let's start over. Come on, man, let's start over, Keith. Wouldn't that be wonderful in life? When things aren't going the way that we thought, that we could just, quote, start over. In other words, we could just, quote, push a reset button. Well, the truth is, is that that's what a lot of us do when we come into a new year. We go through the holiday, physically speaking. We put a lot of weight on. I know I do. We come into January and listen, we all want to push a reset button with our weight. And by the way, I do want to share with you that it worked this year. I ate a lot. Matter of fact, my sweaters got bigger and bigger. And when January came, I hit a reset button and I lost what I gained in November and December. Well, the reality is, is that even these last few months, we've heard this new term that's swirl, swirling around called the quarantine 15. How many of you would like to push a reset button right now? I know that I do once again, but, but a reset button is not just our physical life. Wouldn't that be cool if we could push a reset button in our finances? Or how about this, that we could push a reset button after a failure or when a relationship doesn't work out? Or what would it be if we could push a reset button in our relationship with God? Maybe the last few months, man, all the things that have been going on, you're not where you wanna be in your relationship with God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could push a reset button? Today, I wanna talk to you about that reality, that we can actually, in God, push a reset button. No, I'm not talking about physically push a reset button. I'm talking about spiritually speaking, that we can get back on track with God, that we can learn to do things God's way, that we can get forgiveness where we need forgiveness, that we can make decisions by the power of God to change our present and our future trajectory. Today, I wanna to talk to you about pushing a reset button in a very unique area. Now, for some of you, maybe you've never heard anything like this before, but I believe that we can actually push a reset button in our identity. In other words, how we see ourselves. See, the fact is, is that it is very difficult to perform long-term inconsistent with how you see yourself. You and I will achieve in life, will perform in life consistent with how we see ourselves. That's why it's so important for us to see ourselves the way God sees us. In other words, it's so important to allow God to help us get a correct perspective of how he calls us, what he names us, what he says about us. Names are a very funny thing when you think about it. I have a name, you have a name, and we often have a, well, we have a proper name, but we get along the way nicknames. Well, my name is Stephen James Robinson. Stephen, matter of fact, all of you that have a name Steve or Stephen, here's one of the things that we have. We have a side conversation. If somebody says, well, my name's Stephen, here's what you often say. Stephen, P-H-E-N or E-V-E-N. How do you spell it? Well, as a kid, I had a nickname. Now, my name is Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. 
But my nickname as a kid was Stevie. My parents called me Stevie. And then, well, and then when I became a teenager, it was, well, it was just Steve. But I got to tell you something. I also had a nickname. In eighth grade, I was on the football team at John Curtis, and football's a big deal there. For those of you that don't know, it's a, it is a very powerful football school. And I'll never forget one of the first days of practice, the eighth graders actually practiced with the high schoolers. And there was two seniors. And they thought, well, they took it upon themselves and they saw this little skinny, scrawny eighth grader. And here's what they did. They gave me a nickname. You ready for this? They gave me the name Flea. Not Flea like running, but, but Flea like the buck. Yes, I was called Flea. Now, I got to tell you something. For a young, skinny eighth grader that so deeply wanted to be accepted by these older guys, that didn't bolst my self-image. The fact is, is that that nickname stuck with me a long time. Now, I'll tell you this. It did motivate me. I wanted to gain weight, work out with weights, and do everything that I could to overcome that nickname. You see, unfortunately, when you have a name or a nickname, it can become part of your identity. In other words, what people say about you can become what you believe about you and it can become internalized within you. And the problem is, is that if it's not a good thing, if it's not a good nickname, you can begin to act out on what it means. The question I have for you today is this, what does God say about you? What does God call you? What does God call me? We're in a series called Reset, and I'm very excited about this because I believe it's important as we're coming out of, quote, quarantine, as we're reengaging in culture, all of us, I think it is so important in critical areas, in our purpose, in our identity, in our finances, in our relationships, in our physical health, in our emotional health, that we press a reset button, not physically, but scripturally speaking. It's interesting as I was putting this message together this week, when I was thinking about the concept of identity, we live in a world that works very hard to tarnish, if not destroy our identity. Some people even seek to undermine your value as a person with words and comments. But God, thankfully God, God loves us. God cares about us. God names us. God renames us to speak of the value, the intrinsic worth of his creation. He sees you infinitely valuable and he declares that over your life, regardless of what a parent may have said about your life, regardless of what some kid growing up said, regardless of what the teenage kids in the neighborhood said, regardless of what some coworker may have said that hurt you. Remember what we learned as kids? It is such a lie. Sticks and stones, what? May break my bones, but words will never hurt you. That's not true. You get your arm broken with a stick or a stone, you get that fixed with a calf six weeks, but a word can penetrate to the core of our being. Why is that? Because you and I can begin to believe a lie about ourselves. See, I believe that all of us, as we re-engage and as we, quote, come out of quarantine, we all need a fresh reset in our identity. What does God say about you? What does God think about you? It's interesting, as I was putting this message together, I was thinking this week about all the name changes in the Bible. 
Now, there were literal name changes in the Bible. And often in the Bible, what someone was named, it meant something. And I know today you can go get books and, 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 and you can read what a name means. But, but I mean like big time in the Bible. For example, Abram. Abram's name was changed to Abraham, which meant, or Abraham, which meant a father of many nations. Sarai, well, her name was changed to Sarah. Jacob, by the way, Jacob means deceiver. But his name, watch this, his name was changed to Israel, prince with God. Wow. Why is that? Well, God renamed them. God changed their identity. And when God changed their identity, boom, God renamed them. Isn't that what you would like? That's what I want. I want God saying over me, listen, I want my identity being reflective of what God says. I want to hear what God says about me. I know that's what you want. But think about all the name changes in the Bible. How about Saul in the New Testament? The great apostle Paul. Well, his name wasn't always Paul. It was first Saul. And when we meet Christ, we not only receive new life, but spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, we receive a new identity. Spiritually speaking, we receive a new name. And it's so powerful. I think one of the greatest examples of a name change in all of the Bible is in the New Testament. It's actually one of my heroes. I, I, I can relate to this guy because there's so much of myself that I see in him and it's the Apostle Peter. And I'll tell you why. Because Peter, the Apostle Peter, one of the original 12, well, his name wasn't always Peter. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> his name originally was Simon. Now, we're going to pick up in the gospel, in the gospel of John, and we're going to read the story when Jesus calls Peter to himself to begin to follow him as a, as a disciple. And Jesus looks into Peter and he sees something different in Peter that others see. John chapter 1, verse 40. This is fascinating. The Bible says, when one of the two who heard John speak followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he, that would be Andrew, brought him, that's Peter, who was Simon, to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, watch this. He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall now be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Think about that. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, brings Peter to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and here's what he says to him. He says, you are Cephas. Or he says to him, he says, you are, you are Simon. And by the way, Simon, what does the word Simon mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means a reed blown by the wind. Think about the instability. And by the way, when you think of Peter, you think a lot about that. That's Peter. In other words, he was emotional. He was always blown around by how he felt, what he thought. He's always saying the wrong thing. And Jesus looked at him. He says, wait, wait, time out, time out. You're no longer going to be called Simon. In other words, you're no longer, you come follow me. He says, you're not going to be known as a man that's a reed blown around, blown around by the wind. You are now, you are now going to be called Peter, which means a rock. 
oh my gosh, what is Jesus doing? He's speaking into his identity. He's naming, let me say this, he's renaming him. And what I have found is when we come to God and we begin to walk with Jesus, all those labels, all those thoughts in our mind, all those self-incriminating thoughts, all those things that we may have picked up in culture, in the world around us as kids, unfortunately, sometimes from authority figures, those labels, those words that have, that have, that have, that have limited who you are in life, Jesus, one by one, he begins to peel them off. He begins to take them aside and says, no, 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 that's not who you are. No, no, I'm renaming you. You no longer are a reed. You're no longer gonna be known as that. But now Peter, Petros in the Greek, a rock. Peter, if you think about it, this is the same man, the same man that Jesus calls Peter. Well, he forgets about turning the other cheek when Jesus when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he actually pulls out a sword of a Roman soldier when they try to come and take Jesus and he boom cuts off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers. That's not stability, Peter. That's not good. That's not right. That is not rock-like. It's actually very much reed-like. Or how about this? The big apostle, the big disciple of Jesus, Peter, Right? He was the one that followed Jesus to the cross, but he was also or to, the, to the very first trial. But he was also the one that denied Jesus. Wow. Think about that. It doesn't sound very much like a rock. That sounds like a reed. But how did Jesus deal with Peter? He dealt with him based upon a new name. And I believe in your life and in my life. Some of you believe lies for so long. God wants to rename you. He wants you to, listen, hear what he says about you, not what the world says, not what some person in your past that didn't have a godly perspective said, but God wants you to know what he says about your life. Words can limit, words can injure, words can hurt. The fact of the matter is Jesus had the audacity to call Peter a rock. Why? Because Jesus saw through his frailties, Jesus saw through Peter's weaknesses, And he didn't allow Peter to label himself by his weakness. But Jesus labeled Peter based upon his potential, what he could become in him. That may be exactly where you are today. Maybe you've been feeling the... That, that boxed in sense of, oh my gosh, and you've been thinking all kinds of thoughts these last few months and, 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 and you're looking for a new lease on life. We all are in a sense. Matter of fact, the whole globe is. And I believe there's no better time than now to hear what our heavenly father says about us, to understand the name that God gives us. I remember when I got saved, I'm so grateful for the men who walked with me and discipled me and began to speak to me And by the way, that's why relationships are so important. They begin to declare over my life what God said about me. I had believed lies for so long, and it's so important. Godly relationships can be a mirror and a reflection of, they're not God, but they they can be God-like in the sense that they can declare over your life what God says. That's why we, we, we are so insistent at Church of the King. We need godly friends to walk with us, to encourage us, to, to be in a group, to be in a small group, to, to connect with one another. Why? To reinforce the truth and to dismantle the lies. Now, what I wanna do today is I wanna talk to you about three practical steps about how we can, quote, receive from God a fresh 
understanding of our new identity in Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to follow along. Three ways you can walk out your new identity in Christ. Number one, we've got to learn how to accept God's new name for us. Perhaps you're one who constantly criticizes yourself. You're keenly aware of your weaknesses, of your imperfections. You harbor inadequacy and guilt. You feel that pretty much everything turns out for the wrong. You have more, listen, more focus in your life is on your failure than your success. More failure in your life is to find who you've become than what God can do. And you are very accustomed to the lives of the enemy. And because of that, you've taken on an identity. You've taken on what you've done wrong versus what the possibility of doing right. You've taken on all the negative versus what God says about you. And yet Jesus gives you a new name. Each of us needs someone to see the potential in us. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that when we get born again, we're not only washed by, of our sins. Yes, when you come to Christ and I come to Christ, we're washed by the blood of Jesus. We are, quote, forgiven of our sin. Christianity is much more than just forgiveness of sins. It's we receive something. We receive a new nature. We receive new life on the inside of us. And we, quote, receive a new identity. I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 62. The writer says, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Verse three, you shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of our God. God says so clearly that you are loved, that you are valuable, that you've been chosen, that you, listen, that you are righteous in him. Man, sometimes we just have those thoughts and I mean, I'm just nothing and I'm no good and I'll never amount to anything. Wait, wait, time out, time out. Maybe before you came to Christ, but not now as a believer. You, 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 you and I need to understand that we are loved by God, that we are competent in God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what God said through the apostle Paul. See, what happens is, is that we allow our failures to define us rather than God's word to define us. And because of that, well, we take on labels and we take on names. And because of that, it becomes internalized in us and we have a failure identity. We have an unworthy identity. We have a shame-based identity. No, no, you made a mistake. You aren't a mistake. Wait, wait, time out. You failed at that event, but you're not a failure in life. Wait, time out. No, 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 no. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, the Bible says. Behold, all things have become new. The issue is, is have you accepted God's new name? So when you come to Christ and you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, but you also receive a new nature and you receive a new identity. You receive a new name. You know, I have four children, Isabel, Conrad, William, and Annalise. My three older ones are my natural children. That means when they were born, when they were born in the hospital, the doctors and nurses or whoever writes this stuff down, they wrote down their first name. We gave them their first name, but they immediately took on, well, they took on my last name. 
So it was Isabel Robinson. They, they didn't ask me, the, the nurse didn't ask me, well, they knew Steve and Jennifer Robinson. They said, what are you, well, it's Isabel. Okay, Isabel Robinson, why? She was born and she had my name, but, but I have a fourth child, Annalise. And she was, interestingly enough, she was born with a different name. But when my wife and I adopted her, she took on my last name. So if you look at her name now, it's Annalise Robinson. She took on a new name. She took on, listen, she took on a new identity as part of the Robinson family. Do you know when you get born again, you take on God's name. You take on a new identity. Listen, some of you guys had wonderful natural parents, but some of you guys had tough parents. Some of you guys grew up in a dysfunctional family. Well, the truth is, we're all dysfunctional a little bit, just to be honest. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you take on God's name, chosen, righteous, holy, godly, valuable, competent, adequate. Oh yes, number one, if we want to walk in our new identity, we've got to learn to accept our new name. Number two, if we want to take on, if we want to walk in our new identity in Christ, the second thing that I see here is that we've got to learn to, to believe God's best for our life. We've got to learn to believe God's best. There are many times that we may not understand what God's doing in our life. Listen, the Holy Spirit works in our heart. God is, listen, he's refining us. He's doing things in our life. He's doing things around us. But the truth is, no matter where we are, he insists on calling us his name and laying out for us the possibilities of what we can walk into. We constantly, we constantly, I do this and I have to catch myself. We all do this. We constantly confess our shortcomings. We constantly confess our inadequacies. We constantly meditate upon what we can't, what we aren't, what we're not. But how about thinking differently? Why not thinking what is possible in God? Why not thinking what God has done for us? I wrote this down. Even when he sees what I really am, he still loves me. Even when he sees my shortcomings and your shortcomings, he loves us. Doesn't that blow you away about God? That God sees, God knows. God knows, I, heard a, I tell this story so many times, it's just it's such a funny story. I, I had a friend of mine that was witnessing to this guy one time and uh, he was sharing Christ with this guy and it was this drunk guy. And he's the, it wasn't making sense, the guy wasn't getting it. He says, let me just pray for you. I goes, all right, all right, you can just pray for his drunk guy. My friend put his hand on him. He goes, he goes, Lord, I just pray that you would just help this guy. Lord, he's just drunk right now. And the drunk guy did this. Here's what he does. He goes, hey, man, hey, man, don't tell God I'm drunk. Just tell him I'm sick. Okay, let me help everybody. God knows when you're drunk. God knows when you're sick. God knows everything. And the fact is, is that we remind God more of our shortcomings, listen, than, than what God has done in our lives. How about being grateful? God, I'm so grateful what you've done for me. I'm so grateful how you're working in me. Now, there's times we confess our sin, absolutely. But I believe that we spend so much time on the negative. How about spending time on what God says about us? Look what the Bible says. 
Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus didn't die on the cross for good people. He didn't die on the cross for holy people. He died on the cross for us when we were in our sin. Why is that? Because he died for us to demonstrate his love toward us. I love this verse in John chapter 15, 15. Listen to this, so powerful. He said, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. We often call ourselves failure, but God calls us friend. Could it be that God has given us a new chance, a new lease on life, well, the fact is, is that we've all had a lot of time to think the last few months, a lot of time. We've spent more time by ourselves. I know a lot of people, I mean, we've all discovered Zoom, right? I think that we all need to probably take a Zoom break at some point in time, but the reality is we had a lot of time to think. We had a lot of time to, well, we had a lot of time alone. And in that, some of those thoughts that have emerged have really surfaced some of the negative thinking that we consistently rehearse about ourselves, some of the horrifying thinking that we think about ourselves. I, oft, I said this, we often call ourselves failures and yet God is calling us friends. Could it be, again, could it be that God has given us a new lease on life? Those the world called tax collectors in the Bible, Jesus called disciples. Those called sinners, Jesus called friends. Those scorned as immoral, he calls forgiven. What do you believe? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your future? What do you believe that God thinks about you? See, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God cares about you? Do you believe that? If you do believe that, your life will take on a new, listen, a new dimension. There'll be a reset in your identity. Listen to me. You cannot consistently perform in life inconsistent with how you see yourself. Number one, we've got to accept God's new name for us. Number two, we've got to learn to believe the best. We've got to believe, listen, what God says about it. Yes, we confess our sin. Yes, there's time to own our evil deeds, but our focus needs to be more on what Christ has done for us than our shortcomings in us. Let me give you the third and final point. We've got to learn how to talk about ourselves the way God does. Joshua in the Old Testament, a great man of God who led the children of Israel into the promised land, God gives him a key. And I wanna end the message today giving you a key that I think is so important. And it's the power of self-talk. And this is a biblical principle. By the way, you often hear different people today, whether it's psychologists, whether somebody's a Christian or not, it's amazing how many principles are actually from the Bible when somebody actually doesn't give credit to the Bible. Well, the power of self-talk is a biblical principle. And God told Joshua, as he led the children of Israel, listen, into the promised land, God gave Joshua a key of how to encourage himself, 
how to think right thoughts, how to feel right feelings, how to make right decisions. And it was all keyed into one biblical principle. I'm going to show you in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, so powerful. The Bible says this, this book of the law, God told Joshua this right when he was getting ready to lead them into the promised land. He said, this book of the law, Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, the word meditate there is a very interesting word. It's, 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 a, it's an interesting Hebrew word. The closest English understanding of the word meditate, now just hear me, it's, it's, it's a cow. It's like a cow chewing the cud. Yes, I just said that in church. By the way, you know how many stomachs a cow has? Four. You know what they do? They eat grass, they chew it up a little bit, then it goes into, oh, I know it's in church, that goes into one stomach, then it goes into another. And you know what they're doing? They're extracting the nutrients in every phase. Do you know what biblical meditation is? It's not just thinking biblical thoughts, it's speaking biblical words over your life. Pastor Steve, how do I walk in the new identity that God has? I struggle with that. I want to believe this, Pastor. I want to walk this out. Number one, we've got to accept God's name. Number two, we've got to believe God's best. But number three, we've got to learn to talk about ourselves the way God talks about ourselves. In other words, we've got to, we've got to speak scriptural things over our lives the way God does. Unfortunately, so many people have had so many negative things spoken over their lives, so many ungodly things spoken over their lives that there's a hard time differentiating now those old negative ungodly words with their thoughts. They, they can't distinguish and God's thoughts. So there's old negative hurtful words. There's your own thoughts and there's God thoughts. And these two connect together and it's so confusing at times. I began to think about the struggle that I've walked in at life. How many times that I've struggled to think God's thoughts and to speak God's words. And, and I know, and I know how I feel at times. And it seems so inconsistent with God's word. It's Steve's feelings versus God's word. It's Steve's thoughts versus God's thoughts. You know, Peter knew that struggle. That's why I love Peter. He knew the struggle going back and forth and back and forth. Remember, he was a reed that Jesus saw the potential in him. And he says, you are Petros, you are Peter, a rock. What is it? Jesus always deals with us based upon what we can be, what we've become in God. I was thinking this week about the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter that Peter wrote years after he was a disciple walking with Jesus. He now was a church father and he wrote words in 1 Peter 1, 23, I've been born, you've been born again. We have been made new in Christ. We're a child of God. In 2 Peter 1, 4, he writes, you are a partaker in God's nature. Oh yeah, this older disciple, he began to realize, this older apostle began to realize that I am not what I feel, I am what God says. I am not what others say about me. I am what God says. I'm not even what I think. I am what God says. 
about me. The key is, are we saying what God says about us? Are we thinking what God says about us? I'll never forget, I was in Bible school and I went into one of the professors and I told I was struggling, man. I was going through a tough time in my life. And I was just processing all the pain and junk and man, I lived so deep in the world and I had so much shrapnel I brought into the kingdom of God. And I never forget when he looked at me and he says, Steve, can I tell you the problem with you? I said, what? And he says, you lie to yourself all day long. I said, what do you mean? He says, you just tell yourself lies. And he recommended a book. It was written by two authors, one man and one woman. It's called Telling Yourself the Truth. I'll never forget when I got that book. And I began to read about the power of misbeliefs. And it was really a book about renewing the mind, about learning to speak. And here's what I began to realize. What you think is often determined by what comes out of your mouth. What you speak is determined by what you think. That you can actually rewire your thinking biblically by speaking the right words over your life. Oh, wow. Pastor, what do I do? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what you need to do? Open up the Bible. Matter of fact, open up the New Testament. There are 150 times in the New Testament alone where we read the words in him, in Christ, in whom. Memorize those, write them down on index cards. If you know what an index card is, that's my generation. You begin to memorize what God says about you. You begin to speak what God says about you. You begin to declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You begin to declare, I can do all things. You begin to speak over your life. The more you speak, even when you don't feel it, speak it. And the more you declare over your life what God says. I'm talking about how to walk in your new identity. In Christ. In whom? In Him. Number one, pastor, what have I learned today? God wants you to walk. God has an amazing plan for your life. He has a beautiful future for your life. No, it's not pain-free. It's not carefree. Sure, there's trials in the Christian life, but you can live an overcoming life. Number one, we've got to learn to accept what God says about us. Our new name, my adopted daughter took on my name. When we become Christians, we take on God's name. You've been chosen. You are honored. You are loved. You are called. You are righteous. Number two, we got to believe God's best about us. Where's your focus today, sir? Is it always on your shortcomings? Is it always on your failures? Is it always on what you're not? Or is it what you are in God? And number three, number three, we've got to watch what's coming out of our mouth. What is coming out of your mouth? I'm just an idiot. I'm stupid. I'll never, oh wait, time out, time out. Let me ask you a question. How does it feel when you're with somebody and they're criticizing somebody else? Doesn't that kind of feel yucky on the inside? Oh, I don't want to criticize. I don't like that. Well, why do you criticize yourself all day long? Learn to declare over yourself what God says. I'm talking about, listen, walking in your new identity in Christ. You are righteousness in God. You are holy in God. You are, listen, chosen in Christ. And when you do, when you learn to declare over your life what God says, you begin to think differently. You begin to feel differently. You begin to make different decisions. You begin to walk in the identity, the new identity 
that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you. My question is, do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus? The first step of regaining God's identity is surrendering to Jesus. It's becoming a child of God. It's asking Christ to come into your life to forgive you and to make you new. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that you're ready to stand before God today? In just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I'm asking you right now a direct question. Do you know Jesus? Are you ready to stand before God? Would you bow your head right now? Would you bow your head? I'm gonna ask all of us, we're gonna pray a prayer together. Would you pray this with me? I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for giving your life for me. Say, I turn to you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my heart in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you have been born again. You become a new person in God. It's your first step to walking in your new identity. And I'm gonna ask you to do something. If you trusted Christ as your savior, I'm gonna ask you to do this on your screen. You'll see, text this, text DECISION2020 to 25827. Can you do that? Text DECISION2020 to 25827. And we wanna send you some information of how you can take your new steps in God. God bless you guys. Don't forget, God is for you and not against you. He loves you. He's for you. God bless.